a lot of the work we did is we talked about disagreement before it ever happened. We talked about division before we ever saw it. We, 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 we created the, the rules for how we were going to engage with each other before we ever needed the rules. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast, a space to help church leaders thrive in the second chair. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit subscribe and share this with your team. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. Well, welcome to season seven of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart, and it is our honor to have you in this space with us today. If you lead from the middle in any capacity, Leading Second is for you. Welcome home. Welcome to our tribe today. And hey, if you find today's episode helpful and a value, I want to encourage you to head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast and download the episode guide that we've created for today's episode. Feel free to use this with your team if you feel like this could help them. And hey, we would love it if you would help us make some noise about the podcast by sharing this with your team, by posting about this episode on social media, or even leaving a rating or review. It all helps us to build the tribe and move the ministry forward. Today, we're kicking off season seven with none other than our good friend, Larry Bry from Elevation Church. And I'm so excited to let you know that in addition to the podcast today, we also have a leadership lab with LB that we're dropping today on Leading Second Plus. Larry talks to us on the subject of rest. It's gonna be a hot take that you're gonna wanna hear. And uh, this lab and all of our premium courses and content are available for a monthly subscription on leadingsecondplus.com. Of course, the first seven days is always on us for free. I'd encourage you to check it out. I believe it'll help you in the second chair. Okay, I am so excited that today on the podcast, not only are we starting a new season, we're also starting a new series of interviews I'm calling Inside the Second Chair. Throughout the season this year, I'm gonna be sitting down with some brilliant Second Chair leaders and we're going BTS. We're gonna look behind the scenes at the secret sauce of Second Chair leadership. Like how do great Second Chair leaders approach their day approach leadership and today as has been mentioned larry bry from elevation church is kicking us off it's going to be a brilliant conversation without further ado let's go to my conversation with lb lb welcome back leading second podcast season seven here we go season seven. how can it be season seven already it is it is isn't that wild i'm, I'm glad you did not stop on six but you continued right through into season seven the, come on this is god's number this is going to be this is going to be a good one. Let's go. This is going to be a good one. Hey, we love you. Welcome back, my friend. And I am so excited for this conversation. We've had you on a lot. You're one of our uh, frequent, generous guests on the podcast. But in this season, we're having a series of conversations that I'm particularly excited about. And that is we are looking behind the scenes, so to speak. Okay. And digging for the secret sauce of great second chair leaders. And first of all, I think you're great. I, uh, you are a very humble man, but I just so respect you. 
and admire you. And I am really curious right now as to how great leaders function. And so could you share some secret sauce with us today, sir? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. One, I just, I love what we're doing here. Um, Encouraging people sitting in a seat that's often might be overlooked or I might not feel like, gosh, what does it, does what I do matter? And does it make a difference? And it absolutely right. does. And so thank you for creating a space uh, for people of that spirit to, to find encouragement and hope in it. And uh, we just celebrate. I'm not sure when people will listen to this podcast, but at the beginning of February um, of 2024 here, we just celebrated 18 years of ministry. Unbelievable. And Unbelievable. Uh, it's been crazy. 18 years. My wife and I were one of those original families that sold their homes and quit their jobs to start Elevation, like like many who are going to be listening to this podcast. And but now 18 years later, looking back on it, it's 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 a pretty cool place to it's be. Amazing. It is. It's 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 unreal just to see the faithfulness of God and and what all he's done. Um, my wife and I, when we started the church, we moved into our house on a Friday night and we went to the hospital the next Tuesday. We had our firstborn son mm. and he is the age of the church. He's he's going to turn 18 here. And, uh, and so he is like this living little historical representation of, I think, 18 years of ministry. And I don't know what people see from the outside when they look at our ministry. Um, but I see an 18 year old that looks like a man, but doesn't quite think fully like a man yet. Wow. And, uh, is a whole lot stronger than what they realize has a whole lot more influence than what they would believe. And, uh, and I think we're in a season of going from a seeing yourself as as as, as a, a young man to really seeing yourself as a godly leader and influencer in the kingdom. So to me, I parallel the age of my son and the age of our ministry so closely. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you know what, friend? We salute you for going the distance. 18 years is no small thing. I love that you're not the only one either no. from that that initial team of families, you know, that has gone the distance. So uh we we honor you today. Thank you for all that you and your pastor and your house are to the kingdom. You've certainly uh, shaped so many of our lives in our churches. So we're grateful for you. My pleasure. Okay, so here here's my game right now for okay. these episodes is I'm asking a whole bunch of leaders all the same questions and you nice. don't know what anybody else said. So this is my personal research project. Well, and I thought something was up because normally every podcast you'll send me like here would be like a uh, a field of questions, some places we might go. You've been faithful. You've always done that. And I'm like, why has he not? Why hasn't he not sent me questions? Because I just because you know this stuff. I just I just want it off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's either going to be off the cuff or off the rails. We'll decide here in there we just go. a minute, I guess. So we're, we're rapid fire style uh, on these questions, but before we get into them, I do want to ask you a couple to set up just for those who don't know you, yeah. perhaps how long have you been in ministry total now? Yeah. Gosh, 18 at Elevation previous to that, I was associate pastor uh, at a church in Shelby, North Carolina. That's where Pastor Steve and I and the, all the eight families we met up. I was on in full-time ministry there for four years. I want to say 22 years, full-time ministry. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. What is your current ministry role at Elevation today? 
my my title is associate pastor. So there's really kind of four buckets that I live in in my current expression. Uh, one about a third of my job is staff culture, new staff onboarding, staff culture that by a third is staff coaching, whether it's one on one stuff or it's leading groups of staff through large group teachings, kind of a, a, a coaching standpoint. And then a third of what I do is working with churches around the world, you know, developing right. leaders and sharing the story. And then a small sliver of mine is is always have a sermon in my pocket ready to preach. That That's the other part I carry. Yep. Yep. Which you do that well, my friend. What was your first ministry role? So in those first couple of years that yeah. you were in ministry. So when we started in 06, my title, first title, I've had 14 titles in 18 years. Uh, <laughs> True story. Like we will reassign. We will break stuff before it's broken. That's really our philosophy of ministry. Right. Uh, We won't let it die. We'll kill it before it ever gets even close. My first title was assimilation pastor. All right. And I remember walking in one-on-one with Pastor Stephen before we start him. And he's like, all right, you're going to be the assimilation pastor. I'm like, that's awesome. Let's go. Then they had like, what, 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 what is, is that? that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. My last question for you is a holy one, mm. but there's a fierce debate nationally on this. I've noticed. Are you in and out or what a burger? I'm, I, I'm neither good because again, we're East coast. So, yeah, but you travel. I do. I, but if I have to pick, I'm going in and out. If I got to pick Thank between you. two, I'm taking in and Thank out. Thank you. Maybe this is just my personal mission to shove it in every Texan's face because I just think Whataburger's trash. <laughs> wow. You sound trash. <laughs> like, so <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to drill it this season <laughs> and show them. The men of God say in and out. In and out. See, the Carolina equivalent would be uh, would be um, cookout. That Five would guys? be the, the Carolinas. Oh. All right. Low grade dog food. I don't understand the affinity <laughs> for it. Uh, in and out crushes cookout, but I think it's just a colloquial thing. It's local, so. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <clears throat> okay. Well, in, in all seriousness, I really do have quite a hunger this year for understanding what makes great leaders function, how you think, how yeah. you live. So give us the secret sauce today, sir. And um, I got 10 questions for you and I'm just dying to hear your responses to these today. So here we go. First question up for you is an easy one to get you started. What is the first thing you do every morning and why? The first thing I do every morning is I wake up and I walk to my kids' rooms. I knock on their doors and say, good morning. Say a little prayer for them outside the door and I wake them up. That, that's my first thing is to wake my kids up. And I try in my uh, days where I'm really living my best version as a dad is to pray over them actively as I'm doing that each morning. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. Okay. What is the best rhythm or habit that you have in your life right now? And why is it helping you? The best rhythm I have in my life, and I've done this for quite some time, is I have a folder on my phone called thinking. 
And then every uh, two weeks, and sometimes I'll even go with the increase of frequency to one to once a week, is to create an hour just called thinking. Mm. And just thinking. So as I'm going through my day, if I'm like, wow, um, I had this thought this morning and I put it in my thinking folder, is I, I want to do a, like a men's ministry event, really speaking to the heart of fathers and dads. And so I put it in my thinking folder. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what to do with it. But when I come to that one hour time block called thinking, I will open up my thinking uh, folder on my phone and then I will give time and space and energy to invest in different thoughts that I've written down there. That has helped me kind of pick my head up to look down the road rather than be is tripping over stuff in the present. Is looking down the road something that comes easy to you or is it something that you have to work at? Because I think people come come at that differently. Well, so for me, I, I, I would say I have to work at it because I, I like making things happen. I love solving a problem. I love, let's fix it. Let's, let's do that. I'm, I'm good at thinking down the road, but I need a little more intentionality to actually yeah. do. Makes sense. I wish I had that, by the way, I'm, I'm naturally a dreamer. Think down the road person. I need a little more doing in my life, but anyways, help me, sir. Help me. Okay. Um, next question. What is a key verse, um, from the word scripture that is currently speaking to you right now in regards to your journey as a leader. <laughs> I got two verses. I'm trying to decide which one to give you. Neither one of them are like verses that you would think like they would be like the mantra uh, for sure. people living. Um, out of um, out of Mark chapter six, it says, "This is right after Jesus walks on water." Verse 51 of chapter six, and he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Hmm. And from a leadership standpoint, here's, here's the thought I've just been so captivated by. I think so much collateral dam damage in the kingdom is created by people's hearts hardening because they do not understand why their leader is doing what they're doing. And when there is a wow. lack of, when there is a lack of understanding, offense can become really high and their hearts were hardened. Jesus just stepped on the boat and calmed the winds. They just fed 5,000 women, plus, men plus women and children, but yet their hearts were still hardened. Wow. When I think about that verse, it makes a whole lot more sense that by the time we get to the end of Mark and they all departed, they all left Jesus. It didn't start at the end at the cross when he was arrested. It started when their hearts were hardened and they did not understand in a season where they were tired and exhausted and hungry. And Jesus, why are you doing that? And they build up a fence. That was underlying the whole narrative of them mm. following Jesus. Mm. Beautiful. It is amazing, by the way, how the word comes alive exactly how you need it. Yep. And, and like you said, it might, might seem obscure to one, but it can mean everything to you. Totally. And I love that. Yeah. Well said. Before we continue our conversation, we have a save the date, an invitation for you. Is in the kingdom, if your name was never the one in lights, if you weren't the pastor of the church, would you still be faithful? We talk about being in alignment with our pastors all the time. Are you in alignment with your spouse? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily 
and follow me. I've got to do ministry in a different way. I don't want to perform for him. I want to partner with him. Leading Second Camp 2025 for church leaders and team members who lead from the middle, Dallas, Texas, and Calgary, Alberta. To find out more and to register, go to leadingsecondcamp.com. Okay, next question. What do you hope your pastor or leader would say about you? Now, I want to just always preface this question. I'm not into people pleasing. I think, though, that there is something that our life says about us and the way we carry ourselves and the way we lead. And what what would you hope, I guess, your impact would be on your own leader or pastor? In this in. When we started the ministry, uh, my promise to Pastor Stephen was, I want to be easy to lead and hard to offend. Mm. And I've lived my life in a way that would make it really, really easy to lead. You don't have to give me a lot of fluff. I want to be one of the few relationships that you don't have to preface it. You don't have to set it up. You can just tell me pretty plainly what it is. Beautiful. And as much as I can, I will work on not being offended by it. And so I would hope, gosh, whenever I get off this thing called elevation and however many years it is when Jesus takes me home, my pastor would say he was, he was easy to lead and he was hard to offend. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. If you could stop doing something today or hand it off to somebody else, what would that be? I think we talk a lot about what we do yeah. And what we put into our schedule, but what would you stop doing if you could stop doing something? That's man, that's such a good question. I think at different seasons, I would have, I would have had an easy answer, like right off the top, but now 18 years into it, I've been able to give away a lot of those things that, you know, cause there's always things you have to do and things you get to do. Right. Um, a lot of ministry, sometimes it might be 60% of stuff that like I have to now, very little of what I do is, is I have to, it really is. And I get to, there's a little bit of administrative thing and working with new employees coming in that, man, if I could get rid of that, I'd be pretty happy, but I, I've been really blessed to create a, a job description and role. That's great. That That is like, man, and now I've not been able to say that every season, but right now in this season. Which what a great testament of faithfulness to be able to arrive at a place where you really can write a job description that adds value back to the house. I, I, I think very highly of that. Let me maybe ask you this, then what's the best thing you stopped doing over the years? Um, it was being involved in, in the operational side of the ministry. Mm. So w- when you have a baby to let someone speak into your kid is, is like really the greatest compliment you can give them. Right. And at, at what point can you trust somebody else's voice speaking into your child? And so for for the first, gosh, 15 years of the ministry, uh, I really felt like I, I got to be one of the, the main voices speaking into the baby there. And but along that way, I started to realize my greatest contribution to the kingdom will not be what I do. It's who I raise up. Hmm. And so every time I'd have been able to give something, it never happened by me complaining about it. It never happened by me saying, I don't want to do that anymore. It, it came because I raised up people who were better than me, who could do it 10 times better than me. And then I could step away. That's why I'm in the space I am today. 
Beautiful. And so for the person who's looking like, oh, there's parts of my job I don't like doing. Well, raise up a team who's called to it that that you're not delegating. No, you're raising up people and releasing them in into ministry. And so I think the operational side on the 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 side of before I gave it away, I was like, I don't want to give that away. But after I gave away, I was like, I needed to give that away because they're going to do it better than me. And I can Beautiful. invest in where I need to in this season. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. My next question, I just want to set up for a minute. I think great teams know how to go there, talk about what they need to talk about, and even uh, disagree yes. in, in a healthy way, as I think is one of the great markers of a great team to maintain alignment, even in disagreement. And so my question for you is when you have a disagreement or a difference opinion with a leader or team member, what do you tell yourself? Like what's yeah. going on in your mind, in your heart to keep alignment while you're working through the issue or the conversation with them? Yeah, I love it. Uh, this great questions, Brandon. I love what you're asking. Um, I think even, even before the, but that question, I think what's imperative is the team has got to figure out the rules for how we play in the sandbox together. Beautiful. Yeah. If we wait till somebody steals your your bucket in the sandbox, you may or may not respond to it. It's really important that before we start playing, say, guys, what are the ground rules for how we operate together? How do we deal with offense? How do we deal with disagreement? And a lot of the work we did is we talked about disagreement before it ever happened. Mm. We talked about division before we ever saw it. We 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 created the the rules for how we were going to engage with each other before we ever needed the rules. Wow. Because here's the reality. If you look at, I, I, I'm, I'm big in um, like self-defense training, that kind of thing. I had a great teacher once who said this, people never rise to the occasion. They fall to their training. Hmm. And it was this framework of, we all aspire, like I will have the hard conversation and I will rise up. No, if you haven't trained it, you're not going to do it because you always fall to the level of your training. Wow. So as we're doing the hypotheticals, we're training all that. But in a team, the highest level of leadership is peer-to-peer -peer accountability. Mm. Agreed. It, it is. It's, you know that because you've been in, at those tables. Yeah. You know, I've been at those tables, certainly. And now what's really interesting, and you do this as well, is I get to sit at the table while other teams work through those conversations. And it is so interesting. There is a direct line. Wouldn't you agree? There is a direct line between teams that get that right and incredible health and effectiveness. It, it's, it's a, it's a one-to-one. -one. I've also heard it said like this, maybe piggybacking on your thought there for just a second. If you prepare for the worst, the worst can't hurt you. You know, kind of like if you if you save up that emergency fund, the, the flat tire can't hurt you. You have you have the money, you know, and yep. what you're saying, if, if you as a team develop the the muscle and the the instinct, the pattern for how to have tough conversations and go there, you'll actually be incredibly constructive as a team because you're going to be able to talk about what you need to talk about and yes. not hold things back. Yes. Well, it's just. When, when I was a kid, my parents would fight, but it was behind a closed door that you just heard the volume. Okay. Sure. Yeah. My, my, my wife, she never heard her parents fight. 
She never saw it. She never heard it. But in our marriage, when my wife and I get into moments of intense fellowship, we get in, we get into that fighting mode. If there's a kid in the room, we'll say, no, sit down because you need to watch mom and dad know how to have healthy disagreement that really loves each other. But we both got to walk out like, how do we be in this thing together? So yep, simple things like peer-to-peer accountability. We would have the conversation like with a, in our meeting, like, all right, guys, if one of us is late, how did the rest of the group handle it? Mm. What do we do? Is there a penalty? Who addresses it? How do we address it? So we walk through so many of those things that when it happened, we already talked about the rules. We already kind of determined how we're going to handle this. So, so wise, so good. Okay. I got a couple more of these for you. What are you doing right now to prepare yourself for tomorrow for what, for what you believe God has for you tomorrow? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll speak professionally and then I'll, then I'll speak personally with it. Uh, professionally, I am, I've got, I've got this drive in me right now to, to increase the biblical literacy of, of our staff. And I think we're living in a biblically illiterate world. And, yeah. and I, I have a burden to really help people learn how to engage with the scriptures at a personal level to study the word of God. And so at, at, a, at, a, at a professional church level, I, I, I feel a heavy weight right now for us to really ground ourselves in the word of God. Mm. And then, then at a personal level, it, it has that, it has kind of the, the same shades to it. I am really falling more in love with the scriptures now than I ever have. Yeah. I find myself studying the word of God, not reading. I told this to one of our staff last week and it clicked. I said, my hope would be great. Read through the Bible in the year, but study, study the Bible in your lifetime. Yeah. yeah I, I personally study every word of every one of the books of the Bible before I die. And I'm going to teach every one of the books of the Bible before I die. You know, was it 2022, I want to say? I got on this thing and I only, for the most part, when I was given, you know, kind of license on topic, I pretty much only taught out of the book of Revelation for one year. And and and, and really, really just the letters to the churches was was the, uh-huh. the, the, the gist of it. I wasn't trying to get into the, the bowls and the the dragon and you know all the other things but the that you know i was really convicted by you know what does jesus consider to be faithful in his church i just yeah. i was really really interested in that thought and i it was so i had so much fun giving my first message out of the book of revelation because i'd never done it i was how many how, 20 years in ministry i'd never done it i don't know if i was scared or yeah. you know spooked or you know and but i got my handles and to to your point i mean it's it's amazing um how deep you can go in the word of god and never find the bottom i mean it's it's just it's infinite in its in its application uh, certainly for for those of us in ministry right now okay a couple more questions if you were to look back on a day just a day of your life and call it a success. What is the most important thing you did that day? Uh, I'll give you a real recent example. It's more of a recency bias probably with it. Uh, my son, he, he's a senior in high school. And he just finished up his his, his wrestling season um, last weekend. 
and he was in the regional tournament. He won a couple matches, but then he, he lost his last match. And his high school wrestling career is over. He's not going to wrestle in college. And I'd always thought about like what that day is going to be like for him. What's it going to be like for me? And my son, he lost the match. He got pinned. And uh, he rolls back over and he looks at me and he smiles. And uh, he comes off the mat. And the first thing he says, he said, Dad, I left it all on the mat. Wow. And uh, and he said, I mean, he said, I'm proud of myself. And uh, I remember back to the first day of wrestling practice. He walked home. He was so frustrated because he's getting beaten. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know any of the rules. And I told him, and I said, I said Corbin, I said, your, great, your, your opponent is not the person on the other side of the mat. It is within you. Yeah. Your yeah. greatest opponent is always yourself. You're always competing against yourself. You're competing against yourself to bring your best effort and to show up wholly and fully. And after his last match, he's like, Dad, I brought everything I had to it. And I'm proud of myself. I'm like, that was one of those moments. I'm like, yeah, that, that was a day that mattered to me because I saw my son get it. I saw him. I'm like, you know what? God is wow. glorified in the obedience, not the outcome. Beautiful. Beautiful. And uh, so yeah, as, as a dad, that was, that was my day. I love it. Okay. Last question. And I know some of these are very deep. Sorry. I love it. Um, but I'm really interested in this one for, especially from a variety of perspectives. How do you define success in leading from the second chair? Yeah. Um, man, Again, snapshots of this, how it would have answered this in different seasons would have looked so, 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 so different. Uh, success in certain seasons would have been like we multiplied, we grew by X number of campuses, we grew by this kind of thing, we saw this number of baptisms. And now sitting here today, and, and part of this will sound like the old man in ministry kind of kind of thing like that. Um, how, how do I define success? I think for me, is all of me is in this moment. And uh, I know what it's like to sit in a meeting feeling like you failed and you're scrambling to try to show you're not a failure. Hmm. And in that moment, the anxiety is washing over you because your mind is what you should have done or what you will do when you leave the room. But to really be in that moment, that's, that's so incredibly difficult. Now sitting in this seat, I'm like, I'm on a podcast zoom with my friend Brandon talking to leaders all across the world. So success healthy for me is all of me is in this moment, my mind, my spirit, my will, and my emotions. That's what success looks like for me. So if I'm talking to uh, the dad, the conversation last week of, of a 70 year old daughter who's diagnosed with cancer in Texas, and she's part of her EFAM. And her favorite song in the world is praise. And I'm talking to this dad. Am I in that moment with that dad? Or is my mind on yesterday's mistakes or tomorrow's uncertainty? Great. Great. I wonder how much ministry is missed because we're not in the moment. Hmm. And how much do you have to walk into your day prepared in order to be in the moment? Before I got on this 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 Zoom with you, my prayer was, Lord, I put aside my distractions. My I give this my mind's attention and my heart's affection, and I choose to lay all those distractions down because I want to be in this moment with my friend Brandon. 
It's a willful choice. Yep. Before I walk into my house, I got to say, okay, dad is here. If I am driving home, answering emails and returning voice memos, I will fail as a father as soon as I walk in the door because I'm not in the moment with them. We are responsible to take up the mantle for the moment we step into. And we got to do worship to take up the mantle, to step into that space. And when we don't do that, man, we rob people of ministry, but we rob ourselves of blessings because we're not in the moment. Well said, my friend. Thank you for your wisdom today. And I'm really going to enjoy this season doing this. I'm I'm so fascinated. And, and thank you for a great installation of that. Is there anything that I've not asked you today that is absolutely burning on your heart that you'd want to say to an executive pastor, a campus pastor, you know, someone serving in a second chair out there. Yeah. Um, what's what's top of mind, top of heart for you that you'd land the plane with today? So I shared about my son. Uh, and I think back of a couple different seasons along the way when he was young, where I was walking through a season where it was hard. Um, and there were moments where thoughts would wash over me, like, maybe you can't do this. Maybe, maybe you're not cut out for this. You made a mistake. I've never had a day where I did not want to be here. I've never had that day. I have had many days where I didn't feel like I was good enough, smart enough to do it. And I wondered, maybe I need to step aside because someone else can do it better. I don't want to make it be a stumbling block to the kingdom. But now as my son is, is, is coming through high school and ready to go off to college, and you ask him, like, Corbin, what, what helped you get through it? He goes, Dad, were it not for the church, I don't know where I'd be. And, 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 and so looking back, I realized that in those moments of struggle, if I would have stepped aside, my son would have been punished. Yep. Yep. And so to the executive pastor, to the team out there that you're like, I don't know, maybe I can't do this. Maybe I need to stop it. Like, no, plant your feet firmly in the foundation of Jesus because the fruit is never meant for you to eat. Beautiful. It's always Beautiful. meant for you to feed. So I look at my son and I'm like, God, thank you for letting me not gets pushed aside or walk away because I didn't know how to handle what was going on inside of me. Because that fruit, that was meant for my son. It wasn't even meant for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well said, my friend. We'll leave it there. You are a gift to all of us. We love you. Honor you today. God love bless you, my, my friend. friend. It is our honor to serve churches and leaders across the globe. We equip ministry leaders with the coaching, events, and resources needed to embrace their calling, get it right with their pastor, and lead in an uncommon way. Visit our website, leadingsecond.com, to learn how we can come alongside you as you lead from the middle. From the second chair, for the second chair. Second chair.